0: Kate McClellan, pro wedding planner with over 16 years of experience helping more than 400 couples down the aisle. I started Planning Collective to help all couples get through the overwhelm of wedding planning by sharing my actionable tips and tools that I've used over the years working with my clients. We'll focus on getting rid of what I like to call FOWO, the fear of wedding oversight. This is an unfortunate condition that almost every couple will suffer from at some point. Let's get you back to enjoying the planning process. Here we go. Hey guys, Kate here. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Planning Collective podcast. In episode nine, we talked about the different types of venues. And in today's episode, I want to go in deeper about the term you may be familiar with, and that is food and beverage. There are two main categories that we're going to be talking about, on-site catering and beverage and off-site catering and beverage. On-site catering is typically gonna be at a venue that is a traditional banquet hall or hotel venue. You might see it referred to as your f proposals or minimums, that's what that refers to, food and beverage. Off-site food and beverage is generally gonna be referring to an off-site caterer and an independent bar service. We'll get to those details in just a minute, but let's start with on-site catering and talk about how that works. Let's talk about how pricing works for on-site food and beverage most commonly you're going to have room rentals and then you're going to have food and beverage minimums your room rental fee is generally what the cost is to have access to the space so sometimes that is going to be what includes the actual tables chairs and access again to the room sometimes that cost is going to be built into a per person cost so you may or may not see a separate room rental but you definitely want to ask if there is something extra that you need to consider for a room rental, especially if you're using multiple rooms for a ceremony and cocktail hour in addition to the reception. Now when we're talking about food and beverage minimums, this is where things can kind of get tricky. A minimum means that is the lowest dollar amount that you are guaranteeing them you will pay to have your event on that specific day. So you might be seeing that there are different price points or different minimums for different days of the week or different times of the year, and that's super common. We're going to break that down. But first, let's talk about what is included in that food and beverage minimum. Each venue is a little bit different with how they break down their menus. Some include everything in packages and some are more a la carte, meaning you pick out individual appetizers and a salad and a dinner course and others, again, have it more bundled together. So just keep in mind that that pricing might be broken down differently, but generally speaking, the food and beverage minimum is simply the food and beverage cost. So let's get into an example. Let's say you're looking at a venue that has a $10,000 food and beverage minimum and you're thinking about having 150 guests. That's gonna mean that you're gonna spend about $67 per person. If the average menu options, including the apps, the bar, coffee, and everything else, is say $70 a person, you're right on target to hit that minimum. But let's switch up the equation a little bit. Let's say that you still have that same $10,000 minimum and the pricing is still $70 per person on average, but you only have 75 guests instead of that 150. Now you're looking at spending $133 per person to guarantee that you're hitting that minimum. So if you're starting with that $70 base price, you're gonna need to add in quite a few upgrades in the bar, the menu service, whatever it might be, to make sure that you're hitting that $133 per person to get to that food and beverage minimum. So break it down that way. If you do have a smaller guest count and you know you're not gonna hit the minimum, but you still love the space and the date and it's non-negotiable, you just kind of have to look at it as whatever that difference is, is part of the room rental fee for you or make sure you're upgrading every possibility that you can to make sure that you're at least getting your money's worth out of the rental. Let's talk about those discounts that you'll sometimes see for different days of the week or time of the year. Often it's not actually a discount on the price of the food, but rather a discounted or lower food and beverage minimum. So for example, let's go back to that $10,000 minimum for the example we were just talking about, and let's say that's a Saturday. But if you were to reserve the same space on a Sunday, it's only going to be $8,000. The menu pricing stays the same, and you're looking at those 150 guests. You're going to be spending that ten thousand dollar minimum anyway regardless of the discounted minimum however if you're looking at the smaller guest count 75 guests same menu pricing that smaller minimum takes you from that hundred and thirty three dollars per guest down to a hundred and six dollars per guest which means you're saving about two thousand dollars so in that situation that is a very good deal a few more things that i want to make sure to point out when we're talking about on-site food and beverage is Most of the time, room rental fees are not included in the food and beverage minimums. So make sure you look at that and ask your person at the venue if that's the case or not, because that can be a significant difference if you're not able to include that in the food and beverage minimum. Make sure to check the workbook for a list of what's included in your room rental and what is not. Outside services like valet and coat check often come at an additional charge. Some venues also charge for you to not use tables or chairs if they need to take them off site or store them somewhere. So you just wanna make sure that you're looking at all the proper details with what you need to bring in once you start comparing venues. And the biggest hidden cost that I find in on-site catering is generally the service and tax fee. This is often not added into quotes, which can be pretty deceiving because it is a significant portion of your budget. The service fee can be anywhere from 15 to 25%, and you're usually agreeing to a set amount as you sign your contract. So it's not something you can decide based on service. When you add that in with the tax, you're looking at... 20 to 30 percent more onto your budget than you had initially planned on and here's the most important thing i want you to remember and look into that service and gratuity fee is often not included as a part of your minimum remember most food and beverage minimums are just that food and beverage minimums Going back to the example above, using the $10,000 minimum, let's pretend that you're right on the nose with what you spend for food and beverage, for whatever guest count you have. You're right at 10,000. You still have to add in a $500 room rental fee, and then let's say we have an 18% service fee and a 6% tax, that's another 24% on there. So really, your minimum from a budget perspective is gonna be just over $13,000. So even though you're looking at the minimum from the venue as $10,000, make sure that you're budgeting for the true minimum of what your food and beverage guarantee is gonna be. Moving on to off-site food and beverage. More categories for you. There's typically two types. There's gonna be caterers that do full service and others that do more of a drop and go or they just focus on the food preparation and service piece. A full service caterer is gonna give you more of the feel of being at a banquet venue and that they can handle the staffing, the service and a lot more of the details for you than if you were flying solo. Similarly to a banquet menu or a banquet venue, most off-site caterers will start with menu options or packages but I found that often off-site caterers are much more willing to be flexible with their offerings. So don't hesitate to ask if they can do any special menus or things <laughs> that you've had in mind. Theo, are we talking about food during lunch? One of the biggest differences between working with an offsite catering team and a banquet catering team is that you essentially need to recreate the kitchen for them. If you're at a unique venue and you're lucky enough that they have a commercial kitchen, definitely take advantage of that. If not, most of the time this is going to mean you have to set up a catering prep area, which often in a backyard will involve a smaller tent, maybe emptying out the garage so they can use that space or if you do have a large kitchen, that could work too. Do keep in mind that this is gonna be similar to the back of a house in a restaurant, and it might get a little bit chaotic. So we often like to have these areas either separate from where the guests will be or have some kind of draping to separate the areas. Most caterers will bring everything pretty much prepared and ready to go. They just need to plate or serve it. Some menu options, though, will require the caterers to prep it on site. So as you're talking about your menu with your catering team, make sure to ask what kind of rental items they might need. Some, again, not most, but some might need to bring in a grill, a portable stove or oven, and those items can get really pricey to rent, as you can imagine. And so if that's the case, you might be able to talk to them about tweaks to the menu to keep it a little bit more affordable but still a similar option as far as the menu goes. The other major component that is different between off-site and on-site catering is off-site catering you will need to bring in all of the staff. So the wait staff, the bussers, the bartenders everybody prepping and setting the tables. You won't have any of that that you would have at the other venue. So make sure that you are thinking about that. If you're not booking a full service caterer that would work on that as part of their proposal, it is something that you're gonna to need to consider. If your caterer does not offer additional staffing, see if they have any recommendations with companies they've worked with. I highly recommend that you, at the very least, have a licensed bartending service. God forbid something happens, you want to take the liability off of your shoulders as the host of the event, and you wanna make sure that there is somebody there that is monitoring how much people have been drinking. I should add, you wanna make sure there is somebody there that is not drinking that is also monitoring everybody else and making sure that everybody is safe. Again, a full service caterer is going to take care of all of their staffing needs. They can probably also take care of the bar service, but make sure that you have talked to them about having people on site to help with the setup and the teardown. So someone that's going to help take care of setting up the tables, linens, place settings, and all of that, and then also cleaning that up at the end of the night. Most caterers will leave after taking care of the dinner or meal service, but see if they can have somebody, at least one or two wait staff, stick around to continue and bus and take care of plates, dishes, and things that people are still hanging on to throughout the night. Ask your caterer what they do with the trash. It seems kind of silly, but there are some venues that require that you take it off premise before you leave. And others have very specific requirements for what is done with the trash. I can promise you the last thing you want at the end of your night is to realize the caterers have left the trash in the kitchen area and you need to get all these bags over to the garbage area in your wedding dress. That is not gonna be fun or get a massive fine if it is left behind. So make sure to have a plan for that and making sure also that it is being maintained throughout the night in the public areas like restrooms and uh, lobbies. And finally, let's talk about the gratuities for off-site catering services. As we talked about with on-site catering, it's often written in as part of your contract for what you would owe for that service and gratuity fee. Off-site caterers will often do this as well, but make sure that you look at what they have in their quote and ask them if it is specifically for the gratuities for the staff members that will be there that day. Sometimes you'll see uh, an administration line or operations, or they'll call it something a little bit different. It won't just be a straightforward gratuities. And I would say it's about 50-50 in whether or not that is actually intended to be that service line or if it is something that's meant to cover the event planning hours that they put in. That's going to be something that you find more in the full service caterer because they're helping you out with so much of the event. There's often going to be some kind of added fee there, but you want to make sure that one, you're not double tipping if you've already paid for it. You don't need to give additional tips or service and gratuities as well, but you also don't want to stiff the poor wait staff that's helping you out all day in assuming that that's what that was for when in reality they get their tips separately. If it is not included in your quote or your total, ask how they prefer to receive it. Some managers for the catering team would prefer not to be involved and you would just tip the staff independently. That's a little bit rare, but again, ask if they prefer that or if they'd rather just get cash at the end of the night or put it into your final payment. Again, every team is a little bit different in what they prefer, and it's absolutely fine to just ask what their preference is and how it's easiest for for you to be able to manage that part of it. Regardless of whether you are going to be on-site or off-site, full-service or DIY with your catering, make sure to grab that checklist because it will be really helpful to ensure that you're comparing apples to apples before you make decisions and also making sure that you're not missing any big components that you will be scrambling for last minute. All of this can be quite overwhelming, especially if you're working with an off-site caterer. Make sure to grab the free Backyard Wedding Guide to help walk you through all of the little details that you're going to need from a catering perspective if you are in a backyard or if you are at a unique venue where you are bringing in an off-site caterer. You can find the link for the free guide in the show notes here or find it over in the Wedding Planning Collective Facebook group. If you found this episode helpful, I would love it if you could give me a quick review and share it with other couples that you might know planning their weddings. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I will see you in the next episode.